In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. The text we will focus on today is found at the end of our epistle lesson. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him reconciled to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Please be seated. What is going on in this crazy world? Some of you may feel a little off-kilter, bewildered and confused by the reality we all face. As I scroll through Facebook, I hear friends who are without hope, distressed by this or that. Anger, violence, and scandal rule the day in our news media. Friends and family asking for prayer as they have more tests done. We certainly each have our own challenges. So, what is God doing about it? Is God really in control? Why do I feel like it doesn't pay to trust in God, to follow his word, to go to him in prayer. Since Adam and Eve rejected God's command to not eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, our world has been covered in a curse. And we have been burdened with strained relationships, both with our Lord and with one another. For example, we will want things to go our way. We ignore God, reject His will, and then when we find ourselves in a jam, we call out to Him in prayer. Or we avoid our neighbor in need, at least the ones that don't look like us, or talk like us, or think like us. And then we become outraged when they resort to any means to get ahead. This world is corrupted by sin and it should be no surprise when we see our neighbors resort to sinful things to advance their status, power, or wealth. Adam and Eve were swayed by the serpent into thinking that they would be like God and know all things after they ate the fruit. They would no longer need to rely on him for all things. They could be independent. The problem is, we were not created to be independent of God. Even our knowledge of good and evil is limited, and that knowledge that we gained really didn't do us any good. God's knowledge is beyond our perspective, and Adam and Eve As they took a bite into that apple, we took a bite as human beings into a a meal that we could not handle. We have found that the knowledge that we have gained has only caused destruction, distrust, and death. We live in a world where that declares knowledge is power. And even though we have books and Google, we have teachers and YouTube, we do not have God's perspective. 
knowledge is good, but without perspective can be deadly. This morning, I want to encourage you to compare your perspective to those that we see in our text for today. So we will be moving through the Old Testament gospel and New Testament lessons. And in our Old Testament lesson from Malachi, we hear grumbling from God's people. They say, It is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed and evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. Has this ever been your perspective? Have you ever questioned God like this? It is vain to serve God. What is the point of our keeping his charge? I can think of times in my youth when I thought it would be so much more fun to not know the Ten Commandments and live how I wanted. I could, see, I could not see how following the rules would help me in any way, especially when everyone else appeared to not care about them and have more fun. I've had times where I've been tempted to cheat and get an easy A, but I restrained and I got the C that I prepared for. Well, everyone else was cheating and uh, appeared to feel just fine about how, how they were doing. And if I'm honest, there have been times when I have cheated and I've received that A without any consequence, at least that I could see. Not only do I see evildoers test God and get away with it, but there have been times when I would rather be in their shoes where I question if, God, if there's any profit in keeping God's commands. My perspective leads me to question God. Will he even catch me? Does he even care? I now have a few years under my belt. Maybe you have a few more, maybe a few less. Regardless, I think most of us can, have come to realize how limited our perspective can be. In any given moment of upheaval, diagnosis, change, or tragedy, our perspective often narrows down to that single event. We can't see past it, and understandably so. Satan utilizes the unknown of any given circumstance in life to grip us with fear and muddy our perspective with darkness. It can leave us feeling lost and helpless, alone in this dark world without hope. And purpose. I can recall moments in my life where my perspective was narrowed down to a shocking event, like the call I got in college from my mom that left my legs shaky because the tests came back positive for cancer. I've worried about the results of problematic legislation being passed. I've even worried about the results of this election. We have all seen tragedy, international terrorist attacks, and eruptions of violence nationally. We've even seen the tragedy of local accidents. These events lead us to wonder, what is going on? Haven't I been faithful enough to at least have a simple life? We say to God, I thought you would never leave me 
nor forsake me. How does this fit into your plan? Our gospel lesson is riddled with misconceptions. As Jesus hung on the cross, the religious leaders mocked him and declared, he was able to save others, so why can't he save himself? From their perspective, he was a fraud. Because if he truly was the Christ, he would have the power to call on the angels to bring him down from that wretched place. Even the guards mocked Jesus. From their perspective, they thought they were insulting Jesus, the Jewish people, and their God by labeling him King of the Jews. Again, mocking him, saying, If you are the King of the Jews, save yourself. And even one of the criminals who was hanging next to Jesus on the cross questioned him. He railed at him. From the criminal's perspective, if Jesus was the Christ, then he should save himself and them. Despite the fact that he was a criminal and he was getting what he deserved. He wasn't calling on Jesus for mercy. He was desperately trying to manipulate the Messiah into letting him off the hook. Now the other man hanging next to Jesus had a clearer perspective Maybe he didn't know all the implications. He couldn't discern exactly why this was happening. But he did know that he was getting what he deserved. And Jesus was not. Jesus hung innocent, yet convicted. As king of the Jews, Jesus would not save himself so that... He might save others. Certainly Satan was using all the people around the cross to tempt Jesus into doing whatever was profitable for himself. The same temptation that the serpent tricked Adam and Eve with. But Jesus, the righteous son of man, not only knew more than Satan, his perspective was clear. To the repentant man at his side, he declared, Today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus didn't demand that this man enumerate his sins. He saw this pitiful soul in distress crying out for mercy and welcomed him into his kingdom. And then a few moments later, Jesus died. The perspective of everyone on the hill was that it was over. For those who trusted in Jesus, all hope was lost. Surely the Messiah cannot die. For those religious leaders who wanted to remain in power, he was finally out of their hair. Well, his death was proof that he was a fraud. This whole series of events were now a shameful mark on their conscience. The whole crowd left the hill, the spectacle of Jesus' death, ashamed of what had taken place. We are told in Luke that they beat their breasts, which was a remorseful act. And then darkness covered the land. We have a third perspective from our text today. A perspective from Colossians. Paul gives us 
the perspective that we need, the godly perspective that comes from outside of ourselves. Paul does not provide us with good thoughts to get through tough times. He gives us the gospel in all its glory, which gives us a perspective not based on our worry or whim, but on the truth of God's promised love for us. When we question God, we find ourselves questioning what is unseen. Where is your justice, God? Why don't, I, why don't you do something about this? Why do I not feel you near me at this time? Why can I not see your power? These are all shots in the dark of a reality that we would prefer over God's plan. And so as Paul begins his letter to the Colossians with these words just before our text, I want you to hear these as he's speaking to you as well. Words that we all need to hear when we find ourselves not seeing the picture in a dark place. Paul says, May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance with the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The perspective that God gives us through Paul is one that moves us out of the darkness of the unknown to the light and certainty that we have in Christ. If we look anywhere other than Jesus, we will find ourselves lost and confused by God's action in this world. The answer that God has for us is in his son on the cross for you. On the cross, Jesus has restored what was broken by our sin. On the cross, God's justice, the justice that we truly deserve, was poured out on Jesus for us. On the cross, Jesus is near you in every trial, for he has borne a pain far worse than we can endure. Separation from his loving Father. And it doesn't end there. God's power is seen in Jesus three days later as he steps out of the grave. The firstborn of the dead for you. So when we can't see what God is doing, we must look to where God is known. For in Jesus, the image of the invisible God. Paul states... By him all things were created and all things hold together in him. Jesus was at the creation of the world and he is bringing restoration into this world. Because he lives, you and I who have been baptized into him shall live also. Even though they die, yet shall they live. We can anticipate his voice calling us out of the grave Our eyes, ears, and all our members were created by him and will respond to his calling on the last day because he is preeminent. He is Lord. He has shown his power in his death and resurrection for us. 
In him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him reconciled to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Peace has been made with God. When we face trials, God is not punishing you. He does not hate you. Paul says in verse 21, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. It is true that our sins do have consequences. We experience the pain of our sin and the sins of others every day. And living in this broken world, we will face many times where we do not see what God is doing. We face situations where God does not appear to give us an answer. We seek to know him more, to understand his ways. We search the scriptures, which is what we should do. But if we fail to see that they first and foremost speak of Jesus as our hope, then we fail to understand them rightly. Because in Jesus, we see God clearly. While we may wonder about our circumstance in Jesus, we know the Father's love for us. In Jesus, we find God's yes. Not always an easy solution for our circumstance, but God's promised love for eternity. In this life, you will face hardships, but you will never face them alone. Jesus is with you. And you will never face the greatest hardship of all, an eternity separated from God. Jesus has paid that price for you on the cross. Now we are reconciled to God. Jesus has corrected our relationship with him. Sin has corrupted this world and still causes pain. But in Jesus, a new era of restoration has begun. He has broken into our sinful world and has brought with him life eternal. In Jesus, we are reconciled to each other. We are no longer under our narrow perspective of selfish ways. With Jesus Christ as the head, the church reaches out into the community with his passion, his love, his forgiveness, his grace, his mercy. We need not fear the troubles that are around us, for our Lord leads us in mercy and peace. In Jesus, we have a hope for the future and are able to live now with a whole new perspective, which is... A great way to start the new year. This is the last Sunday of the church year. And next week we will begin the new church year with the Advent season. A season where we look back at God becoming man for us. And we look forward to the last day when Jesus will return and bring to complete all that he has begun in us. As you prepare to celebrate Christmas and anticipate Christ's return, I pray that you see Jesus first, last, in all, and through all, 
he will come again, and his peace is yours now until that day. Amen.